0: Alrighty guys, how you doing today? So Roman from the Northeast Philly Connected and I got a few special guests here. Uh, we got Roxanne and we got the mate one, uh, Matt Weintraub. So here they are, the Roxanne is on the left, Matt is on your right. And let the Roxanne start over for me.
1: Hello everybody. Um, so my name is Roxanne Zillow. I'm a local attorney both in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And today I have the distinct pleasure to interview Bucks County District Attorney Matt Weintraub. So welcome to our little podcast. Thank you for being here.
2: I'm very grateful to be asked. Thank you for having me on.
1: So I wanted to break down um, this interview into three little sections just so everybody knows where we're going. We wanna get to know you a little bit. That's the first area. Um, The second area, we wanna know more about what your role is and what a district attorney does. And then finally, We want to start getting into you know some meat and potatoes of what's going on in the world um so could you please just introduce yourself tell us you know where you're from and um how you got here
2: sure that's uh it's a long story i'm 52 years old i'm married i have two kids and uh, i'm a bucks county native actually we're sitting in the town that i grew up in southampton i went to william tennant high school panther pride and uh, really just loved living in Bucks County. I had a wonderful childhood, uh, was just great to grow up in the suburbs of Philadelphia to have Philadelphia close by Northeast Philly, my grandparents live right across the street from Somerton beverage, mm-hmm. right off of uh, Bustleton Avenue there. And uh, I just got such an appreciation for uh, everything that Bucks County had to offer. And so after I went to college, I went to Ursinus College, which is in Montgomery County, and then Temple Law. Uh, number one, because it was an excellent education. Number two, because it was cheap. Hashtag Temple
1: made. <laughs> actually went to Temple right. for undergrad,
2: too. Excellent, yep, uh, cherry in the white. Uh, it, it was a no-brainer for me. Continue to serve my community here in Bucks County, and I became an assistant DA in 1993, which, geez, that's uh, 28 years. <laughs> ago. And although I've been to other places, my heart never left.
1: Do you have a single favorite thing about Bucks County?
2: Oh, my gosh. Uh, it is so diverse. So it, that's a difficult question. But I think my favorite thing is just the, the access to all the outdoor activities. Because when I was growing up, uh, and this may sound strange to some people, we rode our bikes everywhere as kids, we knew all the back trails to get to everywhere. And the accessibility that I had, it, it made the, uh, even the town I grew up in a lot smaller. You could drive, you could ride your bike to the basketball courts. You could play Sandlot baseball. You could ride your bike to the swimming pool. And we did all of those things. And when I think back to uh, my youth growing up in in Southampton and in Bucks County, that's what really, really sticks out in my mind. Uh, I should also point out that my dad Uh, He was a businessman. He was a business owner. He owned a business in uh, Sellersville for a large majority of our youth. And then as we got a little older, he owned a business in Southampton. So uh, the the entire county is special to me.
1: That's awesome. Do you feel that um, it still holds all those values and uh, options today?
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. It is a huge, huge county geographically. I think it's about 625 square miles which is enormous. And I'm sure you know, and I travel the entire county uh, from from Croydon to Morrisville to Regalsville to Quakertown to Central Box to New Hope. There there are just so many things to see and to do. There's really something for everyone. If you like a more urban setting, we have that. If you love a uh, bucala country setting, we have that. We have farmland, we have preserved open space. We have places to hunt, to fish places to shop, places to uh, play sports. It's just an incredibly rich, diverse locale.
1: Got a little bit of everything. So when you're not working, uh, which one of these activities do you like participating in?
2: Oh, man. Uh, If I were like... I know you're always working. (laughs) If I were like Roman, I I, I wouldn't be sleeping at all. I'd be working (laughs) 24-7. But uh, no, uh, I do think that you need to have a balance, Roxanne. It's difficult sometimes because... I'm constantly on call, but if you don't have a balance, if you can't care for yourself, then you're not equipped to care for other people. So to answer your question directly, um, I'm a sports nut. Uh, I'm a homer completely. I love all the Philadelphia teams. Uh, I also am an avid reader and I always have my head in a book or even when I'm driving, I'll be listening to a book. So uh, those are, and, and to be with my family, I, I think that, I shouldn't say it goes without saying because that's very important to me also.
1: What's your favorite sports team?
2: Oh, oh boy. Well, uh, probably the Eagles, although it pains me to say that right painful. now. Definitely painful. <laughs> But I love them all. I, I love the Eagles, Flyers, Phillies, Sixers. I love the Temple Owls. I'll even root for Villanova. I remember watching them win a couple of championships in basketball. Uh, I love them all.
1: I went to Villanova for law school, and as a Temple al undergrad, it became very difficult when they started playing each other. They're like, who are you rooting for? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, pretty tough. <laughs> um, so you mentioned reading. What's your favorite genre of books?
2: Boy, uh, I-, I like biographies, uh, but I also like fiction. So right now I'm um, uh, reading a book, <laughs> not coincidentally uh, just Fun reading, beach reading about the Eagles' championship season, and it goes game by game, and it's written by Sal Pal, Sal Pal Antonio, and it's just great to relive those memories. But the the last uh, book of I, I would say of consequence that I I read was uh, Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin, and it's about Lincoln and how, what a brilliant uh, politician and of course a great man, great statesman, but a brilliant politician he was because. He had a very, very uh, generous spirit and a forgiving heart, and he was actually able to take all of his rivals and put them to work for the good of the country in what was clearly the most trying time in our country. And just as, a, as an aside, editorialize, it always seems like the time that we're in is the most trying time in our country. But if you look back, we've been through an awful lot uh, and come through, through the other side. And I, I am an optimist by nature, which is ironic because of the, some of the terrible things that I have to deal with. But I believe that to be the case even today, that we will get through our differences. We have more in common than we do differences. And I think that that's something that we can count on as we go forward in the future.
1: Absolutely. They actually did, um, there's a book called The Better Angels. Um, can't remember the, art, uh, the author right this moment. But they did actually a historical analysis where they um, went through every single historical event And they found that we're actually living in the most peaceful time in history. Um, Granted, this was prior to everything that happened in 2020, so I'd be curious to see (laughs) the addendum if it still applies. But, um, you know, I I tend to agree with you that, you know, whatever is happening, we'll get through it and hopefully we'll be better because of it.
2: And just to riff on that for a second, the better angels of our nature, that's a line from an Abraham Lincoln speech.
1: Oh, I didn't even know that. There we go. Um, So... Let's get into music. What is your favorite band?
2: <laughs> oh my gosh! No, uh, no,
1: no transition whatsoever. Well, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I guess, an old head. I like the old rock and roll. Uh, growing up, Pearl Jam, U2. I uh, will listen really to anything. I'm, I'm willing to try anything. My wife was a, a big country music fan, so. I didn't used to love it, but uh, I, I will confess, I like Taylor Swift. Uh, that's no problem for me. I like disco. Whatever's on the radio is something I'll listen to.
1: So if you're a big rock and roll person, Beatles or Stones?
2: Oh, I think I'd have to go with the Stones.
1: Fair enough. I don't know. It's Everybody always asks which one, but I feel like they're so different. And I've actually, I saw Paul McCartney, and then I saw the Stones when they were in Philly recently, um, a few years ago. And it was just an out-of-body experience. Pretty incredible, yeah, you know. So. I, I remember
2: even just to, to speak like that. Uh, it, it was it had to be. It was in the 80s, and I saw uh, the Who in their 25th anniversary tour. I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are still rocking, but they're still going even yeah, today.
1: The, the Stones came out, and they, I mean, Keith Richards looked like he was a dead body on stage. But when they started, I felt like I was an, 80 ro- an 80s rock video, um, and then it started pouring rain, which was Usually terrible, but this was, like, kind of just added to the experience, and it was so cool.
2: Yeah, I think he made a deal with the devil.
1: <laughs> Possible. Um, okay, rand, really random couple questions. What's your favorite color?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> um, I- I've been told I look good in hunter green, so I'll go with that. But I, I would say probably yellow if I had to pick because uh, it's, like, it's just a very bright, cheerful color.
1: Yellow is actually my favorite color. It's a very happy color. Yeah. Do you have any hidden talents? Uh,
2: District attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully that's not a hidden talent, Roman. But uh, I would say that this is something that I don't, well, I guess it counts. Uh, I'm a lip reader, and that's because I was born with hearing loss in both of my ears. But my parents, way back when, they didn't realize that it was uh, considered a stigma to wear hearing aids, but I wear them. And so I didn't get my first hearing aid till I was four or five, and I didn't get my second one for my other ear till I was ten. So, I taught myself how to read lips. I'm not as practiced as I used to be, and frankly, I can't see as well <laughs> as I used to. But that, I, I guess, that would qualify as a hidden talent.
1: That's so interesting. Another thing to uh, be careful of. <laughs> um, Okay, well, what's you know this is kind of one and the same, but maybe you have a different answer. What's one fun fact that most people don't know about you?
2: Uh, I I still, to this day and not well, love to play recreational pickup basketball, Uh, so play quite often. And if you can't find me anywhere locally, I'm at the beach. I'm a big beach bum.
1: Big beach bum, that's right. All right, so let's get into some of the more professional questions. Um, How long have you been the current DA? I've
2: been the current DA almost five years. It was the end of September in 2016. I was appointed by the judges, the Board of Judges in Bucks County, which was really an honor uh, because they entrusted me to fulfill the rest of my predecessor, Dave Heckler's term. And I, I understood I couldn't take that for granted, and from that point, I had to run for the position, and I did. I ran in an open election, and I won the position at the end of 2017, and I've been in my first elective term ever since.
1: Okay, so I want to make sure that I get away from my personal biases and knowledge. Um, could you tell us a little more about um, how some you just go and you vote for a DA?
2: Sure, you have a choice. There's an election coming up actually in a couple of months, November the 2nd, every person that votes, you you have to be obviously a Bucks County resident to vote in a Bucks County local election. Our election is local. Uh, We each run with a slate of of other people for the row offices, but district attorney is at the top of that ticket. And there's uh, somebody on the Democrat side and somebody on the Republican side. Uh, I'll level with you, Roxanne. I, I, I wish it were not a political position. It shouldn't be, frankly, but... Those are the rules of the game as it is. So, uh, yes, I, I've been uh, endorsed by the Republican side, and I, I will be on the ticket in the fall, hopefully, to win re-election.
1: So I know a DA position is obviously not you know just for Republicans or just for Democrats. I just want to make sure that everybody understands you know that the elections are not just presidential elections. I feel like a lot of times especially in the immigrant communities that Roman is most exposed to. Um, People think that it's just voting for, you know, Trump or Biden, which I think everyone's already sick of that conversation, Uh, (laughs) regardless where you stand. Uh, But there's so many other important positions that people have to go out and vote for and how important it is because the local elections, in my opinion, are actually uh, more impactful in our everyday life. Than the presidential elections.
2: I agree with you 100%. If you think about it, maybe, maybe in your lifetime, you will, you will be fortunate enough to meet a president. Maybe. But as far as who actually has effect on your day-to-day life, it's all your local politicians. It's all your local elected officials, whether that's school board or uh, local in the town you live in or in my example, I'm the top law enforcement officer in the county, so we dictate a lot of policy to the various police chiefs of each of the individual towns. We, As, as a district attorney, we have a tremendous, tremendous influence and discretion over the direction that people's lives can take, whether you're, you've been accused of a crime, justly or unjustly, that's for us to determine. Or you've been a victim or you're a witness or you're a juror, all of those roles intersect in some way with the district attorney. So it's very, very important on a local level.
1: And just to simplify even more, what is it that a DA does?
2: That's a great question. So to to put it very simply, we're the top law enforcement officer in the county. And uh, I, I will tell you that my opinion on that has really evolved. I remember, believe it or not, graduating law school and thinking you're either on this side or you're on that side. You're either a prosecutor or you're a defense attorney. Uh, so it's, I at least thought at the time, black and white, and I want to go, I want to be on this, this side. I'm going to wear the white hat. But my thinking as I gained a lot more experience and frankly, got to meet people, whether it was as a defendant or a victim or a witness or a police officer or a juror. My thought evolved, and then I, I later came to understand that we are the stewards of justice, and seeking justice doesn't mean you got to get con, uh, conviction every time. That's not just putting notches in your belt. And Frank, and, and in fact, if that is the way that you view it, you're doing it wrong. So. When I have my young ADAs that come fresh out of law school, and these I call them kids, they, they have an awesome responsibility, but they're 25, 26 years old, I tell them, you got to think about this from the perspective of the person in front of you because more often than not, this is the most traumatic experience that they're going to have in public life aside from being victimized or witnessing a crime or being charged with a crime. And you need to t- treat each person with dignity and respect. So that for a long time was my default answer on, on what being a DA is. But now that I've been the DA for five years, my thought process has evolved even more. And I think, yes, we are uh, we, we do seek to hold people accountable for the wrongs that they've done, the crimes they've committed. We also are ministers of justice, which means, and, and I have stories in Probably we won't have time to get to them today, but maybe I could come back, uh, where some of my most profound memories as a DA or an assistant DA are when I've let people go, uh, because that has a tremendous impact on the outcome of their life. But now I think about it even, even more broadly than that, in that we are responsible for keeping people safe. And that is such a broad umbrella that not only accounts for prosecution, it accounts for prevention, treatment, legislation, community outreach, uh, uh, re-entry into the community. Because if I can affect somebody's ability to come back successfully from being uh, in jail or on probation, my number one goal is to never see them again. And so I fervently believe in that, Roxanne that we are responsible for keeping the people safe. And that's not just you and Roman and me in this room. That's everybody in Bucks County. And we have about 630,000 residents in Bucks County. Forget about the people that are driving through or working here or send their kids to school here because we have a couple of great universities. Uh, It's in the millions every day. It's an awesome, awesome responsibility.
1: It's a huge responsibility. Um, so what is your day to day look like? Cause oh, I know man. that was like a, you <laughs> yeah. know, I do these great big tasks, you know, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible, but what, you know, day to day, what do you do?
2: Uh, wow. So I manage an office of a hundred people.
1: These are the ADAs,
2: ADAs, support staff, county detectives, and, uh and other support members. And so that involves a, a lot of my time, personnel. I'm sure if you work in an office or you work on a team, and we are a team, that we're, we're, we're always enmeshed in some kind of personnel issues, whether it's hiring people or, or resolving issues. So uh, that, that doesn't entail a lot of my day, but it is very labor-intensive. What, what else I'm involved in is a lot of community outreach. And going, I love what my favorite thing to do is to go to schools and talk to the kids, because with the kids, it's a clean slate. You got a shot. You got they haven't they haven't decided I'm going to do this and not do that. You have a chance with them. Although nobody is disposable, no child is disposable. Uh, But but I love to speak to community groups, whether it's about uh, internet safety, for example, or the dangers of drugs, or or the options that are out there. So I spend a lot of time doing that. And unfortunately, um, I need to be prepared to respond in a crisis. And to give you a very real, very dire example, just last week, I was sitting at my desk and our uh, one of our county detectives that works with me, he comes in and he tells me that an officer got shot. This is Yardley. In Yardley. And I'm getting the chills now, again. Uh, and then, And then you have to react to that. You have to mobilize your people you have to decide who's going to stay here who's going to go to the scene how are we going to handle this and then there's a barricaded subject so those times of crises which fortunately are pretty uncommon that's when people really count on you the day-to-day stuff I, I don't want to say it takes care of itself but we are much more equipped to deal with that but when the public is is Asking for answers. They want to know if they have to shelter in place, if they have to evacuate. Are they safe momentarily, right then, in the moment? They're counting on me to tell them that. Uh, so I do believe in transparency, and it's an awesome, awesome, meaning heavy, responsibility. Uh, I also dictate policy. That's not as exciting, obviously. But, it depends
1: uh, who you talk to. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, I guess. But to give you an example, there's a, a lot of... Um, controversy right now over, well, I could tell you about an older one and then a new one. The older one was whether our police officers should carry the life-saving drug Narcan, which reverses the effect of an overdose from an opioid, heroin, fentanyl, etc. cetera. And uh, I used to be like, hey, I believed in self-determinism, meaning if you put the drug in your arm or you ingest a drug and you overdose, we're, we're, we'll get to you. Uh, but, but my thought changed on that and I'll give credit where it's due. This was chief Kenny Caluzzi from lower Makefield township, which is right up the road. He said to me, you have kids. This was in a conversation. I said, yeah, sure. I have two, two kids. Said, what if your oldest daughter who then was very young, 14 at the time of this conversation, what if she overdosed? Would you want her to be saved? Only one answer. And the answer is yes, of of course. And how quickly? The answer is as quickly as possible by a first responder. And the light bulb went off. And so I made it my mission through whatever means necessary uh, to make sure that every first responding police officer carried Narcan. And this was controversial at first, uh, if not revolutionary, because it just wasn't done before. But we were able to go all the way across the county and convince, whether it was by hook or by crook, uh, all of the, uh, the participating police agencies to carry Narcan. And now it's a matter of fact. But just to flip it to the future, right now we're enmeshed in the, the um, conversation about whether marijuana should be legal or not. And at the moment, federally it is illegal. In Pennsylvania it's legal as a medication if it's prescribed. But it is simply not legal to just merely have it here. I understand in Philadelphia, maybe Roman could tell us this in the Northeast, that you can, have, you can have marijuana, it's decriminalized, but it's not here. So some people, uh, they object to the way that I view that. And this is my view, plain and simple, and this is what I'm talking about when I talk about making policy that has far-reaching effects. We have a program here that if it's your first offense with marijuana, you get caught with personal use marijuana, or your 15th, our goal is you get treatment every single time. To me, that, is, that far outweighs the benefits of decriminalizing marijuana because we want to help people. We want to keep them alive, make them productive, reunite them with their families, reintegrate them into society. So that's some of the heavier policy things that I deal with. I'm going to add a dime here about the marijuana in the Northeast.
0: Uh, I think it's not about even the treatment, but that's uh, authorities paying attention to it. And uh, I think when it's not prosecuted or not paid attention to whatsoever, that's totally different side of the story. And the story can be said because like right now, if I can have that, I can have pretty much anything because no one cares. So like sending to the uh, rehab, teaching that, what's right, what's wrong, that's one thing. And I do respect you for that. But when it's just simply got away, that's, I think it is, it shouldn't be like that. You got to pay attention. Like there is a law for a reason. And if the law was changed, that got to be
2: by the law law and order. I love it, Roman. That's great. And I agree with you right now. It is the law in the books. It's there for a reason. If the legislature wants to change it, they will. I don't want to be a stick in the mud. I believe in trying to get people out of bad habits, but there has to be accountability. And if you're talking about the difference on our border between Bucks County and Philadelphia, for example, the the, the other thing that I've recently heard is that they want to decriminalize guns in Philadelphia. Uh, Now I I respect everybody's right to carry legally to carry a firearm, as long as you're legally permitted. But uh, I have heard recently that that there is a movement afoot that we should not be criminalizing people for carrying guns illegally in Philadelphia. And and to my my mind, where does it ever end?
1: One of the things that you mentioned to me uh, in the past when marijuana actually came up as a topic of conversation, is right now that's what the law stands, that's how the law is currently, that's where it stands. Um, and your job is to enforce that law. And you kind of very graciously said, you know, if you have an issue with the law, you got to go talk to the legislators because my job is to make sure that the law is followed, whatever that law may be. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, it gives every role in the criminal justice system their particular purpose. And without that purpose, we, we don't have the scales of justice. you know.
2: I agree with you, but I, I'd like to even add a little nuance to that because I'm not a pass the buck guy. Uh, I, I think it's important for people to understand that as a prosecutor, I have tremendous discretion. So I don't want people to believe that I have no choice in the matter. I do have a choice, and we do have a choice when we promote policy. I will also say that because we live in a commonwealth here in Pennsylvania which is slightly different than a state there's only four I think in the country.
1: Could you explain what what that means cuz I know there's a lot of people that don't know what it means?
2: Yeah, so there's four and I'll take the I'll take the quiz here. It's <laughs> Kentucky, that's the hard one. Virginia, Massachusetts and Pennsylvania are the four commonwealths we have in the country. And they're slightly different than living in a state because that means that Government goes down to its least common denominator. So if you if you have a like we have thirty nine police chiefs in Bucks County, each of them is like has his own little fiefdom. Each of them is responsible for his or her. We have one female police chief uh, for his or her municipality. So when I issue uh, policy changes, it's by their cooperation. They are not forced. To obey it. But by the same token, I also always tell them, and I think we're going to get into some of this, and I I know what you're going to ask me about, masking policy, COVID policy, etc. I give strong recommendations, and I give signals as to what I am looking to enforce and not enforce. But really, it ends up being up to them in each individual municipality, because we live in a commonwealth.
1: Um, what's the biggest problem that you feel Bucks County is currently facing?
2: Aside from the crazy weather, uh, <laughs> it's it's still drugs uh, and COVID, frankly, and, and all the fallout from COVID. But it's it's still drugs, uh, just because they are so readily available, and without casting any aspersions, what I could tell you is that most of our most of the drugs that come into Bucks County do come from Philadelphia, they do come from Trenton, a little bit from Allentown, but not as much. Uh, They're all imported.
1: Is there anything, and again, I feel like this is a complex uh, question and situation, is there anything that you feel that you can do as a DA to assist with this?
2: We we place a tremendous emphasis on self-accountability, meaning that if you're caught with drugs, We want to help you, but these are my five goals. I want to keep you alive. I want to get your treatment. I want to reintegrate you with your family and your life. I want you to take care of your criminal problems. You can't run away from them. And then the fifth one is my favorite. I never want to see you again. But they're my five principles, my five goals when it comes to drugs. But it is such a complex, heavyweight problem that I work hand-in-hand with our single county authority, which is the Bucks County Drug and Alcohol Commission. They're fantastic. I can call them, text them, email them, day, night, 24-7, 365. They never turn me down. They always help the end user. And most of what they offer is free if you're a county resident. But my goal is to hold the dealers accountable, and try to treat the users. And sometimes that means holding them criminally accountable as well. But the goal is to try to reintegrate them productively into society. We, um, since I've been the district attorney, we established for the first time ever a six-man elite drug strike force, detective, county detective drug strike force. These guys work on such a high level. They're they're, they're dismantling entire organizations. Uh, We also recently joined the Haida, uh, organization, which is the, we, we were designated as a Haida area. And it's like that old Groucho Marx joke. I wouldn't want to be a part of a club that would have me as a member. So Haida is high intensity drug trafficking area. And everybody says, well, why these, <laughs> that's terrible. And I said, well, we already are a high intensity drug trafficking area. So by getting this federal designation, it's a force multiplier. So now when my elite strike force and our drug task force, which is countywide, work on these cases, they don't have to stop at the borders because, you know, drug dealing doesn't stop at any borders. It doesn't know borders. It's not local. It's not county, state, national. It's international. And by partnering with the, with this HEIDA designation, we get the benefits of the force multiplier of using the technology, resources, finances, manpower of the entire country, which is Very, very impressive.
1: That is very impressive. Um, So I know you're a big supporter of the police department. You work very closely with them. They have a lot of respect for you. Um, I've witnessed it firsthand when I was working with the town watch with Roman. And I just wanted to ask you, even being a big supporter, do you feel that there is any room for police reform? And before you answer that, could you tell us what police reform is, um, both to you and in general?
2: That's a great question, Roxanne. So uh, first, let me put in a plug for the town watch. Uh, you, you all you all, and I, we, we met, I think, uh, one night probably a year or two ago, and, and you expressed an interest in expanding from Philadelphia into Bucks County. And you asked, how could, could I help? And I would say, A, the answer was yes, and B, the answer was uh, pretty quickly because I was able to put you in touch with – the police chief right in lower Southampton township rather quickly. That was great uh, because I believe in partnerships and I can have no better partners than the 39 police chiefs and the thousand police officers and peace officers that work to serve and protect us every day here in Bucks County. I Uh, do want
1: to interrupt. What is the difference between a police officer and a peace officer?
2: So there is a little distinction. Uh, Police officer are the ones that you see that you think of that driving a squad car, responding to emergencies, but a peace officer is a little more expansive. That can include courthouse security. It can include the sheriffs, the deputy sheriffs. So I try to be as expansive as possible because, in theory, any one of them could uh, could stop you for a, a legal violation or could certainly save your life if they were called upon to do it. And Plus, it gives me a bigger number. It makes it a 1,000 instead <laughs> of 900. But to, to get back to your question, Roxanne, these guys and these, these these men and women that protect us every day, they're not asking for any recognition. They rarely get any. And in today's climate, it is pretty rare that they get any positive press at all. But you know what? They get up every day, and they do their job. And they do it well, by and large. I make no excuse for a police officer that breaks the law. They should be prosecuted because they make all of us look bad. But that is, that is the exception. Uh, and and you look around in Bucks County, and I think there is mutual respect that the people in Bucks County respect their the police officers that are protecting them, and the police that are protecting and serving the citizens do so in a very, very respectful way, by and large. And I, I will give you just an example of the manifestation of that by comparison. In Philadelphia, which i guess is probably two or three times the population of bucks county as i said we have about 630,000 people here so philadelphia last year had 500 murders that's not a misprint and i believe that's because there's a there is a lack of respect for the law and the rule of law and I authority think this
0: year we're going to go over this number
2: it's tragic but i agree we're on a record setting pace in philadelphia Well, in Bucks County, and I'm not going to play the game with you, but I would make you guess, but you would be wrong because the number in Bucks County last year for murders was five. Wow. Five, as opposed to 500. And that's because people have a respect for authority, for the law, and generally are are very good citizens here. Uh, That's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. That's what makes Bucks County a wonderful place. I'm very proud of that, to be a part of that.
1: Do you feel there is any room for police reform?
2: Oh, yes. Um, Yes. I think that the, the minute that you stop considering how you can be better or make processes better, you're losing ground.
1: And I think you just gave the definition of police reform also, that it's just trying to make things better.
2: And I'll give you a great example. Yeah, the, it, it has nothing to do with taking money away or taking resources away from the police. I think that that is a, a, a deadly premise and should not occur. But to give you a real-life example, we partnered in the county with in a pilot program with Ben Salem, for example, where Ben Salem police now have what are called two co-responders. And these co-responders are more in the form of social workers So the police will get called out to a call. They'll make sure, of course, that everybody's safe. They'll clear the call. Okay, and now it might be a children and youth matter. It might be an older person with dementia. It might be a person that that has mental health issues. Or we even have people that just chronically call 911 because they're lonely or they're bored or they're confused. And then these co-responders jump in and they help these people. So what that does is two things. Number one, it gets the people the specific help they need. And number two, it allows the police to continue to respond to actual emergencies and to investigate crime and keep us safe. So by diverting these types of calls, and you could call that police reform if you like, that's a positive. That's a win-win.
1: Absolutely.
2: If you, here's, here's the test. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you dial 911. You expect 100% satisfaction that the cops are going to come. And you know what? They do. But that's an awful lot to ask. I think our it's, police it's nowadays. A lot to
1: ask. I, I work in Bucks County, but I live in Philadelphia. And they, they have a ways to go with just getting police <laughs> to show up in an orderly time. And it's, it's not the police's fault. I, you know, I by no means blame the police force for it, but they're just stretched so thin. Yeah. And the more money that's taken away from them. Um, the more problems they have. Because,
2: I agree with you.
1: You know, you need funds to, to be able to, to produce.
2: <laughs> we're very fortunate here in Bucks County.
1: Um, so one of the things that I really respect about you is, um, despite the fact that you were running on the Republican ticket, and like you said, you can't get away from how the system is set up, um, you put in a lot of practical and I think progressive ideas into place, whether it's, you know, working with social workers and figuring out what's the safest way to do this, or um, I know you also have mental health courts. I believe it's the first in the country, if I'm not mistaken. No, I wish.
2: Uh, no, but it's, uh, oh. it is – it is. we have not had it in Bucks County before, and we just – I'm probably not even supposed to say this, but we did just roll it out, uh, and uh, we're going to have permanent beds for people that need them. Uh, what, what we see, Roxanne and, – and, yes, I am 100% in favor of this.
1: What does is, what is this entail, the mental health courts?
2: So what we see, unfortunately, and this goes hand-in-hand hand with who you're going to call when, when you have a problem, 911, and who responds, police. When somebody suffers from severe and persistent mental health, mental illness, there's just no place to put them. The, the, you talk about defunding, the, the civil side, what we used to call Norristown State, the civil side of things has been defunded almost to extinction. So there's nowhere to, for a person with severe and persistent mental illness to get any help. So what do people do? They call the cops. And then when the cops come out, and I'm very proud of this, they have this crisis intervention training. We have 50% of our police in Bucks County have been trained. My goal is 100, so we're well on our way. Uh, But sometimes they're not equipped to, to handle this person with severe mental illness, let alone that they should be arresting them. But unfortunately, that's what ends up happening in many occasions. With this mental health court, and I have a dedicated assistant prosecutor, actually he was my mentor when I first started, this is his second go around, Cole and Jenny, he's, he's amazing. Uh, we now have s- specific mechanism that we can handle these people either outside of the criminal justice system, if that's where they belong, or with a real, real emphasis on how to treat them so that the problems don't spiral, get worse, or continue to recur, I'm very, very proud of this partnership, and it's been with all of the stakeholders in Bucks County. It's It's been quite an amazing journey that we've been on.
1: I know you mentioned that it's relatively new, so this question might be a little premature, but are you seeing success with this?
2: Yes. Before we established it uh, in a bricks-and-mortar way, once I brought Colin back, and he, I mean, I can't take all the credit, he he wanted to come back. I was like, yeah, of course you can come back. Uh, I started funneling these cases to him because he has a, a history as a solicitor for mental health cases for decades, a couple of decades. So he was really a crown jewel for us to get back. And and we have a relatively small legal community, as you know, Roxanne. And so once everybody learned that he was back, they knew that we had a person that was very in tune to the resources that were available, even on a limited basis. So we've been doing these things for months, but now it's going to be – uh, codified, structured. We have, a, we have a residence where people can go if they qualify. And it's been a labor, it's been a hard labor, but it's been a labor of love. And I'd like to take some credit. I actually saw that this was an issue a couple of years ago. So I asked uh, the Quattrone Center for Criminal Justice at Penn Law School if they would help us and do a study because we didn't have a mental health court in Bucks County. And I knew we should, <laughs> And they agreed, and they did that for nothing. They did an assessment of, of, of the needs and the value of it, and I was able to present that paper that they wrote, that report that they wrote to all of the stakeholders. I, I can't say that's the reason that it occurred, but it certainly emphasized the need for it.
1: That's very cool. Um, and it's amazing how, how many different resources you have at your disposal and how you're able to get everybody to work together to really make a difference. Um, and you mentioned police training. One of the things that I read about, you did a non-lethal force training. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I thought it was very practical. It almost seemed like, why wouldn't everybody be doing that? Because if the only force police have to use is lethal force, then of course there's going to be accidents. And I hate to call them accidents because it's, it's a lot more than that. But. Well,
2: there, there's a saying, and, and you're, you're encapsulating it. To somebody who's only holding a hammer everything looks like a nail and there, there shouldn't ever be a one size. you like that Roman? you like that?
0: <laughs> no, I actually just got a question uh, as well about it. And the question states, uh, uh, hold on a second. Potholes like, uh, so pretty much uh, half of the accidents because of the imperfections on the road. And what do you have to say about it?
2: Oh, like <laughs> potholes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a fair point. Uh, We, we do have a lot of motor motor vehicle accidents. Uh, what, what, what I'm always trying to do to make people safe is to investigate the ones where drugs or alcohol are involved and take those killer drivers off the streets. But if you do see imperfections on the road, not to pass the buck, but that's usually a County or a state legislature. Uh, I know there's a, there's a number for the potholes. I forget what it is. That's not really my Avenue. Uh, but, but I do agree we we deal with the most serious, the most horrific, and if you know somebody that's driving without a license or driving while under the influence of drugs or alcohol, we want to know it, and uh, we will investigate them and hopefully stop them before they hurt or kill somebody. But Jack, I, I want to get back to the uh Please. yeah to the the use of force, so tragically, and unfortunately, uh George Floyd got murdered by a police officer. And, and that created a uh, tremendous outrage all across the country. But, but what I also think it did, Roxanne, if I could say practically, was cause police, at the least, to be introspective, to look and say, like I said, if, if you're not questioning, if you're not trying to improve, you're losing ground. And we were no different here. Now, I will also note that we had a program – the Love is the Answer program that we've been implementing to try to unite, to, to bridge the gap between police and the citizens they serve since before George Floyd got murdered. We started ours in December and January, and George Floyd got murdered in May. May. So we our police deserve credit for leaning into that. But to your point, uh, Councilman David O. from Philadelphia, he brought to me the, this idea of non-lethal force training to go to one of the local MMA gyms which was right in um, Middletown. So I got a bunch of the chiefs to go, and we, we watched a demonstration. It was eye-opening. And, and I've since heard from a lot of the police to say, yeah, this is something that we really are interested in. And so, as I told you, it's up to each individual chief how they train their officers. But I'm a big believer... In the more resources that a person, a police officer, has, the less likely they are to go to the, the, the most lethal one first, as you pointed out. And in order to uh, codify that, if you will, all the police chiefs, and they are wonderful. Uh, I belong to the Bucks County Police Chiefs Association, and they work together as a unit. Uh, as a, I talk about a force multiplier. They're incredibly powerful when they put their will together. They came up with the universal use of force best practices, which is to the highest standards in Pennsylvania and federal law. And each of them pledged individually that they would have their department employ the best practices as opposed to anything less than that. And I think that has been an incredible breakthrough as well.
1: It's incredible. Yeah, I think you're right. If you, um, and, Roman and I have spoken about this many times. If you don't have all of your tools in your tool belt, you know, you don't have time in a crisis situation to run back and be like, you know what, can you just hold, can you hold that thought one let moment?
0: Let, let, it, yeah, let me get the tear gas or, like, uh, let me use a taser. Like, hold on, let me ask my, par- my partner for a taser. Uh, it's like uh, if you only have a gun, all you're going to use is a gun. If you have all the tools be like in your belt, you're going to use whatever is necessary
2: to stop the problem without creating even more problems. And to your, a case in point, Roman, last week we had a, a, the chief of Yardley Borough police got shot, and I was worried and praying that nobody else was going to get shot or killed when we have, like, our version of the SWAT team su- surround this person. Well, they waited. They waited patiently. They came up with a game plan, and not a hair was harmed on anybody else's head. And I was very relieved, first of all, but proud, proud to be on that team that made sure that, Not only were our SWAT members not hurt, but that the guy that shot the cop was not unnecessarily harmed.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And I think that speaks to you providing those options and resources. And um, I recently spoke to someone, uh, I went to a Young Lawyers Division PBA conference, and I met a lot of interesting people and had a lot of interesting conversations. And one of the things that popped up was, you know, if people don't know – Um, then how could they possibly make the proper decision? So um, we had a diversity discussion, for example, and one woman who spoke said, look, I don't have time to think about what's in somebody's head Um, because a lot of times it's not necessarily something hateful. You know, it's not racism or anti-Semitism or whatever it is. It's just ignorance. Um, But when you present people with more knowledge, um, then they then have the opportunity to behave in a better way once they're enlightened, hopefully.
2: Knowledge is power.
1: Hopefully, yeah. Um, so I know we touched on this a little bit with the mask mandates, everybody's hot topic now. I wanted to just briefly touch it um, without getting into too much of it. Um, what role, if any, does the district attorney's office play when it comes to some of the mandates rolling out? Now, I, I by no means I'm discussing whether someone is for or against vaccines or masks or any of the, you know, decisions that are being made right now, but specifically with the mandates and the restrictions. Um, Does the district attorney's office play any role, or are you not involved in this?
2: That's a great and fair question, and I will say this off the top. Uh, I myself am vaccinated. I myself also had COVID, and it was terrible. Uh, So I can speak at least from personal experience, so people have a baseline to know where I'm coming from. But Pretty early on during the pandemic, this is when things were shut down, uh, the, the governor it was issuing mandates. Now, he doesn't have the same kind of power because uh, the, the, the people voted and took that away from him, the, the broad power that he was exercising. So that's that rule of law we, we had talked about before. But before that occurred, I, as well as every district attorney, was asked to enforce these mandates, and we can call them mask mandates or business shutdown mandates, and I took a very pragmatic approach, Roxanne. And I thought to myself, "What are my resources, and how should they be best employed during this crisis?" Because let's face it, the pandemic, whether you, whatever your political beliefs, was a crisis, manufactured or otherwise. And I said, "I only have a thousand cops, peace or police." And we have 625,000 people, and my cops are at risk of getting COVID just like everybody else. And this was before we had vaccines and knew what, could, what, what the possibilities, the positive outcomes were. We were still learning on the job. So I, I said, well, I respect what the governor's trying to accomplish, but I'm telling the cops not to. We, we just don't have the manpower to enforce mask mandates or business shutdowns. The governor has his own police force in the state police. They answer to him. He's got all these licensing bureaus, the Bureau of Alcohol uh, Enforcement. He can do it. So I I issued a pretty strongly worded – I guess it wasn't a mandate. I don't know what to call it. Recommendation. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, To say, hey, this is up to you, each chief, but I am strongly – encouraging you or discouraging you from enforcing mask mandates and business shutdowns. We need to keep our powder dry, so to speak. We, I need my police to respond to emergencies because they still have to, to maintain safety because they still have to, and to investigate crime because that's still all going on. <laughs> and crime uh, doesn't
1: sleep because of COVID.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's correct. And then, and then we added to that that crisis the dual crisis during that last summer where we had a a lot of unrest, civic unrest. But I'm really proud to say that Bucks County got through that, even though we had something like 50 to 80 uh, protests or marches or whatever you want to call them, they all were peaceful. Everyone, there was no rioting, no looting, no vandalism, no, it, it was, I don't want to say it was great because it was terrible to have to even go through all that. But I was really proud to be a Bucks County citizen.
1: Now, you mentioned the state police. Um, how, what interaction relationship do the state police have with the local police? Well... Like, how do they differ? Because I know, I can't say I'm very clear on that either, so I'm sure others... <laughs>
2: it's, it's interesting. Uh, the state police serve a different master. They, they work for the state as opposed to an individual municipality. So they're answerable to the governor. And uh, we have two barracks in, in Bucks County. Well, actually, technically three. There's a little itty-bitty chunk of the turnpike. I think it's the Northeast Extension that's covered by K Barracks, King of Prussia. But we have two barracks, Trevos and Dublin. They largely patrol areas that don't have the, uh, the wherewithal to have their own police force. So if a crime occurs in Bucks County, they're still answerable to me. <laughs> but sometimes there are challenges, I will say that. But for the most part, we all get along. We know them, they know us, they work together hand-in-hand hand with the local authorities, uh, and there is a lot of overlap. To give you an example, in the in the instance where the chief got shot last week, one of the state police uh, officers, one of the troopers, was giving us a report about the other incident that started in Middletown and ended up in Philadelphia in which a guy – shot somebody in Middletown same day and then got shot himself down in Philadelphia. And this state police officer was with us, this trooper, and he was letting us know what was going on. So it was a lot of cooperation.
1: So do your police ever go into Philly or other surrounding counties?
2: That's a great question. Very timely. We really discourage them from going to Philadelphia because
1: we had 500 murders. (laughs)
2: I'm not, and, and I'm not in control there. Um, Philosophically, I always want to see the right thing occur, Roxanne, but I, I, take, a, uh, I take a, I take take my own approach to I think the police get, get a presumption that they're doing the right thing. I, I wonder if that's the case in Philadelphia. Uh, I don't think they get the same presumption. I'm not down there, but that's at least how it's explained to me.
1: Do you have um, a relationship with the surrounding counties, though? Um, and if so, what is that?
2: I do. Uh, there, there are, I explained to you how Haida works—that high-intensity drug trafficking area. So I and my county and all the surrounding counties are involved in that. And there are many, many task forces that we cooperate with uh, our neighbors to the north and the south. In fact, I mentioned to you I had to take a, do a phone call at 3:30. That is with about nine or ten other district attorneys from other ca- other surrounding counties on the opioid litigation that we've all joined in so uh, I'm very proud and pleased to say that we cooperate pretty readily with with all of our uh, counterparts we all belong we all belong to the Pennsylvania District Attorneys Association which includes every county except one Philadelphia you know it Philadelphia uh, I just yeah. wanted to
0: ask like uh, is this phone call for 330 today does it includes uh, currency at Philly no No further questions. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. guy.
1: Well, it's funny because I actually always tell people, you know, be careful when you're you're saying be careful when you go into Philly. I always tell people, regardless whether they're clients or prospective clients, and especially, um, so because I speak Russian, a lot of times uh, Russian speakers will reach out to me even about criminal law, even though my my area of practice is really civil. Um, I always tell them, be careful when you go into Bucks County because... They don't mess around out there, That's you know. Right. So right. it's interesting to hear the others the other perspective of that. Um, what kind of programs do you have in Bucks County to help the community? And you know, definitely something that we want to make sure that we put on this post afterwards.
2: We we have many many some that I've touched on, but I did bring a couple of audio visual aids. Uh, the, the the first one that I want to talk about was born out of a terrible tragedy, Roxanne. We had a little boy, little Benjamin Smith. He was uh, about two years old, and he was watching TV with his dad, and he wanted to go watch something else. His dad sent him into the back room to get a, uh, an iPad to watch something on the iPad, and little Benjamin went down the hall, and instead of going all the way to the back of the hall, he turned into his dad's bedroom. His dad was, had worked the night shift the night before, and little Benjamin grabbed his dad's gun off the nightstand and shot and killed himself. Oh, my gosh. And the dad, who was honorably discharged from the military, who swore and would have passed a polygraph, I am convinced that he had he had cleared that gun and had stored it safely, had not done that. Uh, the, so we did prosecute that dad for involuntary manslaughter, for leaving that loaded gun where his little son could kill himself. Uh, and then we were doing a... A fatality review of that case. Uh, and I should say, he pled guilty, he owned it. I mean, he, he's serving a life sentence in his mind. He, he's out of jail, but can you imagine being that person? No. So we're doing a fatality review. And I said, there's got to be some good can come out of this. Like, is there an easy way to offer to people where they could keep a gun safe so their little two year old can't grab it and kill themselves? So we came up with this. It's Ben's campaign. And it's free gun locks for anybody that wants one in all of Bucks County. They are free and they're so easy to use. And you can use them on revolvers, automatics, long guns. We have uh, on our website, on our, we have a, a how-to video. It's something that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, just to touch on one other thing. But please, please check out, we have a, we shoot a lot of videos. We're not as prolific as Roman maybe, but we, we shoot a lot of videos because I want people, I think communication is so critical. It's like if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody to hear, it doesn't it make a sound. Well, it's, it's worthless. If, if you're not promoting, as you're, as we're doing right now, all, all the, the, the ways that people can get help, they may as well not exist. So we have something called Crime Watch, and very simply it's BucksDA.org. You go to BucksDA.org. You can sign up for Crime Watch. You'll you'll hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. I believe in transparency. I think that uh, if somebody has a tip and they want to leave a tip, like we have the Push Out the Pusher program, which you can leave a tip anonymously about drug dealing in your area, and we'll even give you a reward up to $5,000. One guy got $5,000 in Warminster for reporting a drug house where they were packaging $8 million a week worth of heroin. So it does happen.
0: So if you don't mind, we're going to add the links in the description for the video right after we're going to be done,
2: right? Excellent. Yeah, excellent. We'll add them in there. Uh, but, but I do want people to get in touch with me. So uh, that's
1: actually one of the next questions um, is what would somebody communicate to, uh, with the DA about and how would they go about doing that?
2: So the easiest way is BucksDA.org. You can leave a tip. You can write us an email. We respond to every single one.
1: A tip regarding what? Because I know when uh, (laughs) when Roman, with all of his tech skills, set up our hotline, we started getting calls about everything, whether it was, um, you know, can you fix my toilet? Well, right. (laughs) Okay, great point. (laughs) You know, can you visit my grandmother? Um, What kind of tips are you looking for?
2: So we're looking for tips about drug dealing in your area, in Bucks County. Got to be Bucks County. Uh, We also, we pride ourselves on taking fresh looks at cold case homicides. What does that mean? So there are some homicides that are unsolved, Mm -hmm. not just for years, but for decades. And we'll take those boxes off the shelf every once in a while, and and we'll try to give them a fresh look. And we often ask the public to help us. Say, hey, if you know anything about a murder that was unsolved in Bucks County, please give us a tip. If you want to be anonymous, that's fine but we'll take tips on anything crime related usually it's drugs Roxanne but sometimes uh, to give you another sad example we had a volunteer fireman he was a volunteer fireman his entire life and he was just walking home from getting something to eat at Wawa it was it was dawn it was very early or I'm sorry midnight but it was so it was dark and he was struck and killed on route 13 in Bristol and nobody stopped and nobody came forward Well, that's something, if somebody knows something about that, give us a tip. Let us know. But if you also just want to call, you're a a people person, you like to talk, 215-348-6344, that's our main switchboard number, and we will route you either to a detective or an assistant DA uh, that can help you. If you have a case, whether you're a witness, a victim, um, even a defendant, you can call us. We'll look up the case, and we'll make sure that you are oriented to when you're supposed to go to court or what we need from you. Uh, I I think that we're trying to demystify the criminal justice process a little bit because it can be daunting and scary.
1: Sure. Um, and actually, I was going to ask a question that is going to sound very childish, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm sure if it's in my head, it's going to be in somebody else's head. Um, I always grew up with the you know snitches get stitches kind of mentality, um, and even as I work closer and closer with the law as an attorney. Um, I, I still see that a lot of people have that um, fear and concern of speaking with uh, officials. I know a lot of people who grew up in other countries, anytime they interact with, um, whether it was a police officer or even a lawyer, you know, there's that fear of how am I going to get in trouble? Um, what have you done or what can you say to that that would you know, encourage people to not be so scared of of the entire criminal justice system so that we can move forward?
2: That's a great question. And I appreciate your perspective, Roxanne, because we're talking about people that may be first-generation American or culturally believe in the snitches get stitches. The best – the first thing that I can say is this. If you're watching this, you're going to assess me. And what you see, it's what you get. This is who I am. So – I promise you, you're gonna get a fair shake where we don't have an agenda other than to see that the right thing happens. As far as speaking to the police, I would encourage it. And it really comes down to pride in your community. If, you're, if, if you don't care, then you get what you get. If you care, but you're concerned, we do have victim and witness relocation programs at our disposal. They're usually for extreme cases, but I can also tell you that in Bucks County, and I don't want to sound naive, but in Bucks County, uh, victim retribution rarely occurs. And I'm not saying it's not possible because it is, but generally what I have found, and I've been involved in cases where uh, victims and witnesses were threatened, the bark far exceeds the bite. The, the, The person that's making the threat is generally trying to just call the person off so they won't participate in the process. But once somebody feels strong enough or empowered, whether that be because they have victim witness assistance or they have the police officer to accompany them or a DA assign their case and they go forward, the barking stops.
1: Is there something that people can do to meet a DA or a police officer, get involved with their community so that we can start kind of Lifting that separate, lifting the veil, you know, getting rid of the division and separation. Because I feel like for a community to work, and again, I saw it firsthand when I was helping Roman out, um, is once people started getting involved, uh, once people started going to, I don't know, was it like coffee with the police officer, like, you know, different community events. And the police started coming to our community events, which was cool. You know, all of a sudden it was people who we can go to of like, hey, this is happening in our community. Do you even know about it? And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Um, But I found that that communication and dialogue actually helped to solve uh, problems, not even problems, helped to solve um, concerns before they became problems.
2: You hit it on the head, Roxanne. It's it's all about demystifying and humanizing us. Uh, Some people naturally don't trust us because we're authority figures, or they have had a bad experience, whether it's here or somewhere else. Uh, All I can say is, that we, we all love our community equally. And in order to make it the best that it can be, we can't do it alone. I, you, you heard the numbers. There's there's about 1,000 police officers. There's 625,000 people here in Bucks County. But what I have noticed is that people do care in Bucks County. Uh, there is a genuine affection for the police. There is a trust, and that is because of the shop with a cop uh, or the... Uh,
1: What's shop with a cop?
2: Well, you oh yeah, you said coffee with a cop. So shop with a cop is where uh kids or families that maybe not might not have the wherewithal to buy Christmas presents or holiday presents, they can shop with a cop for free. Oh. Yep. And and they're they're all over the county. It's usually around Christmas time. There's one in Middletown that's huge, there's one up in Quakertown that's huge, and all you do is sign up and your kid gets to walk around with the cop and say, I'll take this, 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 this and fill the basket with toys. That's so nice. And, uh, but, but we need to do more of that for sure. Uh, I, I think that in order for the community to trust the police that, that serve it, there needs to be that interaction, that mutual interaction. Cops need to get out of their cars. They have to shoot hoops with the kids on the court. Uh, that w- we all have to, we all have to work harder at it. Question.
0: But how do you encourage cops to get out from the cars?
2: That's a part of the challenge. Um, It's a mentality, Roman, and I think that we do a little better in Bucks County than in Philadelphia for sure. I don't don't know what you could pay a cop to get out of a car in Philadelphia right now because there's no upside. But
1: Uh, I don't know. I I might disagree there. I know a lot of cops that are really, really trying um, to make a difference. Actually, most recently I saw – so there's a bunch of kids riding bikes in Philly. So one of the police officers went like, got the McDonald's and, like, actually asked them what it is they're doing and why they're, you know, terrorizing the streets like some people are concerned. And um, the guy who runs it said, our whole philosophy is bikes up, guns down. So he takes all these young kids riding around. And once the police knew about what they were actually doing, they got them some new bikes, they got them some food. So I think there's a lot of police officers that don't get the credit in Philly because of um, other powers that be maybe. But I think the police are still very much trying to get out of the car. So that's I got to defend my own people. No, <laughs> I love it.
2: I love it. I, I stand corrected and humbled. That's that's a wonderful story. Uh, Roxanne gives a great example. But what I'll do is I, I meet with, we're, we're off for the summer, but I meet with the police chiefs once a, uh, once a month. And our next meeting will come up in September. And I'll tell them about this. I'll talk about chief criminal. And I'll say, hey, one of the biggest things is, the cops got to get out of the cars. They got to interact with the people, meet them on their own turf, not just stay in the cars. I think that's very important. So I'll do my part in that regard.
1: Well, I think we are ready to wrap up unless you have any other questions in virtual reality worlds, not yet.
0: Uh, I had a few, but they're mostly 311 questions. So I don't think <laughs> that they're applicable here.
1: Okay. Um, so I just want to thank you again for coming on here and giving us your time. While you're on summer vacation, <laughs> we really appreciate it. You've been um, a wealth of information for us. Um, and, you know, what started out as a very innocent, we want to let you know that we're going to be coming into Bucks County has kind of blossomed into this, you know, working relationship. Um, and I think that is critical. So thank you so much for your time and your insight. And maybe we can do it again in the future.
2: I hope so. You you, you were a great interviewer. I appreciate your warmth, your knowledge, intelligence. This has been a wonderful experience for me and I, I think if I could just leave that with these parting words uh, we, we can't do it ourselves we love Bucks County just as much as you do and together we're going to make this the best place to live work and raise our families amen
1: thank you so much and thank you Roman and Northeast Phila Connected for hosting
0: all righty so are we wrapping it up we are so thank you everyone for watching uh, it's gonna stay live uh, i mean like the video will be online for your review as long as you want to uh subscribe to the channel and guys thank you very much for being with us everyone have a great day